Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or other healthcare provider, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. But welcome everyone to season two, episode 16 of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I know you're going to enjoy today's show because I'm going to enjoy recording it. I'm going to be joined behind the microphone by a good friend of ours, Mick Jeunesse. Mick is the CEO of Oak Point, a regional DSO in the South Carolina, North Carolina, and greater mid-Atlantic area. He is a wealth of information, an industry veteran, and always great to have conversations like this. And I know he's gonna give us a lot of insight into the M&A activity we're seeing in the marketplace. So get your pad and pen ready. I know you're gonna wanna take some notes. Obviously, brew a cup of that coffee and don't lose focus. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Once again, thanks everyone for joining me on the show today. I am Perrin Desports, and I'm the host of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. As I teased in the introduction, I'm joined on today's show by Mick Janess. Mick is the CEO of Oak Point, and that's a private equity-backed regional DSO that's predominantly in North and South Carolina, but quickly expanding into the other areas of the Mid-Atlantic. Mick, do you want to say hello to the audience? Parent. It's great to be here. Appreciate the invitation and really looking forward to the discussion. I'd love to say the door is always open, Mick, but it's more like the mic is always open for you. You're a good friend of mine and DeWalker's. We've known you for a number of years. You've had a tremendous career in this space and you're a wealth of information. So this is going to be a, a fun discussion today. And for the for the audience's purpose, this is another in the continuing um, uh, M&A activity and kind of state of the union, if you will, as it relates to group practice dentistry. Mick, obviously, uh, is somebody that leads a, uh, a private equity-backed DSO and is directly involved with business development um, and, and adding partners to their overall footprint. So he's going to give us some perspective um, and, and some insight from his level uh, as it relates to buy-side activity. And, and Mick, I think the, the place we probably want to start uh, is really kind of rewinding the tape a little bit. And let's just, let's take 2021 to begin with, because I think it was a, an unbelievable year as it relates to M&A activity, not just in dental, not just in healthcare, not just in the United States, but all over the globe, really. Um, you want to talk a little bit about, from your perspective, uh, the year that 2021 was? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Uh, great to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. You know, for for 2021 for us, uh, and just, you know, dental in general, uh, I, I would use the word frenetic. Uh, it was a fast-paced, a very intense year. Lots of looks at, at opportunities. Uh, you know, I would say on average two to three times uh, the volume uh, in the market. <clears throat> you know, that we've seen in previous years. So 
definitely steady, steady pace, you know, and that lasted truly uh, through the entire you know, course of the year. And then, of course, the uh, impending you know, perceived tax implications or potential tax implications fueled a lot of that activity, right? That was part of it. And then uh, just, just the compression of, of a lack of activity during, 2020, during the year 2020 uh, further compounded uh, the deal volume in 2021. So um, I think those are the two, the two big, big you know, items that drove that. Uh, throughout the course of the year, and and that that truly lasted the entire year, and 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 uh, to some you know degree, it spilled over into 2022. I mean, we're seeing you know truly the same exact uh, level of pace that we saw in 2021. It just hasn't stopped, so it's great. It's it's been a a, a great ride uh, for us. We've had you know a phenomenal run personally, and uh, you know, looking forward to continuing that as we uh, progress into this year. Yeah, you guys uh, in on the business development teams um, must just be you know blowing and going. I mean, I can't imagine what your your lives are like living on airplanes, calls constantly, um, just working twenty four seven. But like you say, the the you know the confluence of events. You had an election. Uh, that brought with it an, a, a regime change. <laughs> um, That's right. It, you know, and, and with that came um, a forecasted uh, uh, tax uh, impact and and who knows how that's really going to shape up. But you had a buy side that had been forced to sit pencils down um, for almost all of 2020. So nobody made their number. They were highly motivated. The cost of debt funds was still dirt cheap. And, and, you know, you had a, a sell side that was motivated by those potential uh, tax law change implications. And, and I, I kind of equate that to the perfect storm, you know, I mean, it, it's it created, right. yeah, just frenetic is the, the right word for, for sure. Um, relentless almost. Um, you know, uh, one of the other things um, I'd be interested in kind of getting your perspective on, and this is obviously uh being more of an insider than me, but still sitting on the outside, we saw a couple of larger platforms going through recapitalization. Um, and that wasn't unique to 2021, certainly happened before, but I feel like there were probably more of them that were noteworthy, you know, over the last 18 months or so. Do you have any perspective on that sort of top end of the food chain and recapitalization or some, some, larger merger type um, at, at that end and, and the impact that it's making in the industry? For sure. We truly believe we'll continue to see more and more of this uh, in the years to come. Uh, when you, we really look at the dental industry in general and look at it and, and you can look at other industries uh, like telecom, for example, or banking, right? Both of those industries consolidated heavily. Uh, you could look back to that. We've researched that. We've researched the the length of, of time it took, you know, for that consolidation to happen. Those were not that those were not cottage industries, right? Uh, so obviously not a complete apples to oranges comparison, but you could kind of see the trend line and and how long it took. And you're seeing that play out right now in in, in dental. And it's just going to continue to consolidate and and these larger platforms are going to have to take down bigger bite sizes to grow. Uh, there's just no question about it. A, a thousand location group is going to have a very challenging time growing, uh, doing single site you know, transactions, uh, unless they have a, an, an extremely large uh, affiliations department, right? So 
Uh, you know, I, th- I think you, you saw Heartland make sig- you know, several significant moves on the chessboard last year. Um, and you'll, you'll continue to, you know, we'll continue to see that with some of the big players. Um, you know, I think you're going to start to see a <clears throat> hundred location group, uh, partner with a 30 or 40 location group, uh, you know, really maximize synergies, you know, between the back offices and, and leverage, uh, those synergies over the course of, you know, let's call it a year to year and a half of, of, of integration. Uh, there's no question. Uh, we've seen some of that already and, and we'll continue to see it going forward. It's just, it, it's inevitable. Yeah. I, I, I think it's uh, really interesting because when you, when you start to kind of do the math in your mind about the internal rates of return that a, a lot of the sponsors need to generate, you know, to your, to your earlier point, on a onesie twosie basis, that's just a hell of a lot of them, you know? And I, I mean, it, and then you've got to prove that you can grow re- revenue and expand margin and everything like that. And arguably the greater bang for the buck is, is merger types at a regional level or a specialty level or something like that. And, you know, we teach, a, uh, we have these things called master classes that are like two day, deep dives into a really narrow subject matter. I know our audience has heard me talk about them, but one of them is, is called mergers, acquisitions, and affiliations. And, and that masterclass goes through traditional acquisitions, uh, 100% acquisition, goes through acquisitions with an equity role, goes through what we talk about in terms of affiliations, but it also goes through the M, which is mergers. And, and most of the uh, core clients that we work with aren't familiar with capitalization table, cap table mergers, and and what that looks like when you do merge a couple of businesses together. But the synergies you can pick up, the the immediate arbitrage in terms of uh, valuation multiples, it, it's the same for local regional groups that still could be uh, debt funded um, versus those that are uh, private equity backed that are that are more enterprise level, arguably. So I, I think you're right. I think we're all up and down the food chain going to see more on the call it the merger front, uh, for yeah. those very reasons. Without a doubt. And the other thing that we're, we're seeing play out rapidly is you've got, you, from our perspective, kind of two players, two types of players in the market. You've got players that are truly building on a platform for sustainable sustainability in the future. And then you've got aggregators. You know, people who are uh, truly slap, you know, what I call slapsticking, you know, EBITDA together. Uh, it's not a viable platform. Uh, it does not have the integration uh, that's needed, you know, for sustainability. So you've got those those two things really, truly playing out in the market. Uh, and so if I'm a doctor looking for an affiliate partner, I'm asking those tough questions about what the strategy is going forward because I want to, I want to align myself with a true partner that's building a sustainable platform uh, you know, for the future, uh, and it's going to you know, last, uh, you know, decades, you know, into the future. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not quick fixes, but long-term right. viability and sustainable solutions. Yeah. So let's, uh, you touched on, uh, activity continuing unabated, uh, into 2022. And, you know, I, I think, um, there's certainly the level of, of business development type activity. We're seeing a little bit um, of a slowdown in terms of, uh, you know, the closing process. And, and I think, um, some of this is probably attributed to 
these these larger enterprise level groups that are having to digest and integrate um, the the businesses that they acquired uh, in uh, uh, in 2021. Um, what's the look from your perspective on that? Obviously, you are hyper focused in a um, much tighter geographic area that is uh, uh, dense with opportunity, you know, so you're not spread as thin as some of them may be arguably, um, uh, which I think would be a good thing, but just, you know, general commentary from your level on business development, deal flow uh, and and integration as, as we uh, sail clear of Q1. Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, we really believe when we look at the market, that there were a tremendous amount of deals and transactions that were intended to close in Q4 that just didn't get done because there was just such a backlog of opportunities you know, seeking to have a closing in the Q, uh, you know, quarter four of last year. And so a lot of that spilled over into Q1. And so it, there's been a little bit of, let's call it disruption in the rhythm uh, of the mergers and acquisitions pipeline. And so I think you're seeing a little bit of a hiccup there, uh, just in the overall process. That's our kind of view of the world for us. We've done a fairly good job of staging it and and we've got a, a rhythm kind of to our affiliations process. We've got an integration strategy. Um, and so we've been a little bit smoother than I think other groups have been, but that's, you know, largely by design, uh, and a little, and a little bit of luck truthfully as well. No, nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. some, so, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we all uh, look fondly upon luck and say we were due, right? <laughs> That's right. That's um, exactly right. Uh, so um, we'll we'll get into some prognostications for the balance of the year and and maybe the coming years as well. But you know, you mentioned process, and um, I, I want to take some time and and maybe um, walk and talk through uh, some of that because. You know, the the pro, I feel like when a when one of our clients um, decides that they're ready um, to to go to market, uh, we try to take as much time as necessary, as much time as warranted, and as much time that is prudent on the front end to to slow things down and and educate them about the journey ahead. I mean, all too often people understand the range that their business might value at and they they quickly um uh you know fast forward to uh the closing date and they're spending the money in their mind you know and there's a lot that has to to go on in between uh it's an emotional process on both sides sell side and buy side it can be a frustrating process at times um but kind of managing that process uh is something that we take a lot of pride in so from from your level, you work with a lot of different uh, sell side representatives, not just us, but there there are a ton of and, and from your history, you know a lot of them as well, for that matter. So let's let's talk about things like you know that emotional uh, roller coaster time frames. We can dig into some of the philosophies that we have here at Polaris um, sell side Q of E and even spending more time negotiating an LOI up front to leave less to chance down the road. Um, you know, do you, do you mind maybe giving our audience from your lens, like what that looks like uh, in terms of managing the process? 
Absolutely ha- happy to. Uh, so I've been doing this now since 2013. A lot of lessons learned. A lot of transactions have been uh, conducted and, 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 and sourced and, and diligenced and closed and, and integrated through that time period. And a lot of lessons learned in that process. Uh, and what we see today at Oak Point is a culmination of a lot of those lessons learned you know, uh, over the last uh, almost 10 years now. So uh, we place significant emphasis. Uh, you start when you, when we, we, let's look at the whole life cycle of the process for a minute. We spend tremendous amount of time on the fit because this is all about the fit. It's about finding the right partner. It's about the doctor finding the right partner. Uh, there's all sorts of different you know, groups out there. You've got to find the right group that fits you and aligns with your vision, your philosophical alignment, your core values, and how you view the world and where you want to spend the next 10, 15, 20 years of your career building your practice. Um, so we, we, we start there. Uh, the letter of intent uh, that we develop and design and, and ultimately present to the doctor is extremely robust. It has all of the details in it uh, and largely works through all the significant and meaningful and material deal points uh, in the ultimate final transaction documents. Uh, we spent considerable time on the front end to get that right and to articulate it in a very clear, transparent fashion so that the doctors are aware of uh, exactly you know, what the intent is uh, behind each you know, point in that letter of intent. And then once that letter of intent is executed, we have a, a, a short due diligence uh, time period where you know, we conduct the financial due diligence, some clinical due diligence, and a little bit of operational and IT due diligence. And then we have a, a a, a closing, you know, no, no different than buying a home. Um, and then we have the day after closing, we kick off our integration uh, process. Our integration process is one of the things that we're most proud of here at Oak Point. Uh, we've, we've invested incredible amount of resources to get it right. Uh, and after each integration is complete, we sit with the doctor and his or her team, and we ask the team, what did we get right? And where did we make some mistakes? Where could we make improvements? And it's those improvements, it's that dialogue that we've really used to shape our integration strategy going forward. So each one is just getting better and better and better. Taking just one quick step back to the integration process, it's clearly defined. It's a 90-day time period where we start and finish the, the integration process. It's 100% documented, fully transparent to the teams and the doctors, and it describes exactly what is going to happen, when it's going to happen, and why it's going to happen. And we assign the accountability you know, to all involved uh, with each one of those steps. So it's it's dissecting each functional department, uh, and there's three or four things, you know, maybe six things, depending on the department, that we need to accomplish over that 90-day time period. Uh, and And... You know, we have we're we're deeply proud of this because uh, it is the very first step uh, and very first touch point that that practice has with Oak Point, and so they're going to remember that they're going to remember it forever. Um, and is that a, going to be a good positive experience um, uh, or or a negative experience? And you know, uh, uh, one of the, the terms that we use uh, internally here at Oak Point is you know we're not sending the junior varsity squad here. Uh, to the practice. This is the varsity team. We're going to, we're going to operate at an extremely high level. We're going to execute at a high level. 
Uh, and, and when we make mistakes, cause we're human, we do make mistakes. We're going to own it. Uh, and we're going to learn from it and we're going to make sure it doesn't happen in the future. So. Boy, that, uh, is a tour de force. I mean, for our, our clients, um, that are listening, they need to go back and rewind the tape on that because I think there are a couple of things here. One, uh, call it an after action review, you know, while, while the, um, the oven's still hot, so to speak, you know, when everything's fresh in everybody's mind, it's so easy, uh, to, to close on a transaction and be off to the next one. Right. But the fact, yeah, the fact that y'all slow it down, pump the brakes, Let's huddle up. Let's talk through, you know, where, what we hit on, what we missed on, how we can get better. Y'all are refining the wheel. And that's, um, I, you know, I, I don't think nearly enough people do that. Hell, we're even probably guilty of the same thing here at Polaris. Um, uh, you know, not as egregiously as some, but we could be better at it. Let me put it that way. And then yeah. the other piece that you mentioned was that 90 day integration phase that's laid out, it's documented, it's transparent. You know, it again, that's something that far too many people, whether they're selling their business or they're acquiring a business, far too many people um, rush through that and, and they don't understand what a point of anxiety that is for a seller. You know, oh gosh, I've just sold my life's work. What happens next? And all the staff is sitting there thinking, well, I guess I I better clean up my resume, right? They're going to cut me. You know, these unfounded uh, conclusions that they've drawn, just laying out the process gives people confidence in it and to a degree security. And and I think it also allows them to see the roadmap for a finish line. So that's um, that's really a point of genius. Well, well done for you all there. Yeah, thank you. We're very proud of it. Uh, and I think, you know, one other point around that is the team that we have that run the integration process have a high, high degree of self-awareness. So they know, uh, exactly you know, when to truly pump the brakes on a particular item in that process, uh, or to say to the team, you know what, I know it's a little challenging. We're just going to kind of push through this one. Uh, and, and in three days, it'll be done, and and we can check that box off and go to the next one. Uh, and and when you've got people on the team in these departments that have a high degree of self awareness, they they you know they can pick up on certain cues, and and really drive a process and and do it in a way that is is comfortable, right, to the team on the other side. Uh, and in the integration process, this this entire you know buy and build private equity strategy uh, is absolutely won or lost in the in the integration trench. And we have to get it right, and we spend a lot of energy to get it right. That's uh, that's good stuff. I mean, again, from uh, not just our our sell side clients, but also our our entrepreneurs who are building groups, they can learn a lot from um, uh, from that overview that you just shared. That's that's great educational content all the way around. Um, let's uh, uh, let's sort of pivot. Um, and and talk um, about things that kill deals. Um, there are a lot of them, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you absolutely. know, and you could you you probably got like a, a you, you could whiteboard out a million different things. But it, as you think about from your your lens and your experience, Mick, if there were you know two or three or just a handful of things that um, you know 
makes uh, are more apt to make a deal fail or to unravel um you know what might some of them be like how do we how do we help people from uh stepping on the third rail or on a landmine or something like that um any, you know, anything think, yeah go yeah, for it yeah happy to weigh in here i mean i think a couple of things that are that are uh things for the doctors to to to, to truly think about is uh, you want to make sure you've got your your full uh, house in order. You know, you've got uh, your IT is buttoned up. Your, your, all your information technology is 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 buttoned up, right? You've got firewalls in place, uh, proper security in place. Um, I think those are those are really big ones. And we we see, as you can appreciate, you know, kind of the the good, the bad, the ugly there, right? We see all uh, types of you know different practices with different levels of of tech security. Uh, I think it's important to have your clinical house in order uh, to really make sure you've got things you know buttoned up, you know, clinically great clinical notes, uh, you know, good, strong uh, infrastructure in place, systems in place, protocols in place uh, across the clinical uh, you know, footprint. I think that's incredibly uh, important because uh, that's one of the things that we, you know, we make sure every partner that we partner with is you know, strong clinically. We've got a clinical director that, you know, looks at, charts and does chart audit reviews and uh you know we'll, we'll we'll look at all those you know details to make sure that we do in fact have a great partner here clinically we don't want to cut corners uh for the sake of growth and we won't and so that's a big one um and then you know i think some of the other things that we see a lot of times is you know the doctors have a tendency to uh, not have a full appreciation for uh, the process or, or, or full understanding of kind of the, the marathon of, you know, getting a transaction done. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars here. Uh, that's going to, you know, that will transact and, and, uh, and, and move. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of really truly having a um, full appreciation for the level of due diligence that's required to get a transaction done of the size and magnitude. So I think, and I, and, and, and that's where really where, where, you, Perrin, right, uh, and, and DeWalker can play a huge role in that process, right? Just really managing expectations and, and educating the doctors, you know, of what that process is going to be like. And uh, quite frankly, I'd, I'd much rather do uh, and partner with a, uh, a doctor and, and run up a, a process with a sell-side advisor like Polaris than, uh, than, the, than, than not have somebody involved. Uh, it just makes for a much smoother you know, process. It truly does. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, trying to minimize the variance around emotions and, and focus and, and from our lens also making sure that, you know, our client, even when they're under LOI and going through the process and we're all intending to close by X, Y, Z date, you know, candidly making sure our client doesn't take their foot off the gas. Um, right. because, this is a this can be distracting at a multitude of, of levels. And if the business performance starts to marginally erode, that can have a, a negative impact around valuation, you know, and, and the ultimate transaction amount that none of us want to see happen. And it just uh, can create, you know, uh, a bad scenario around closing time. So um, it, it is uh, it's a never ending process. And I mean, those 
those uh, transaction processes probably vary on the short end around four months, uh, best case scenario, longer nine to 12 months, you know, absolutely. Um, and, and there's no guarantee of success, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we run our letter of intent to closing process, just like we run our integration process. So we've got a set timeline. Deliverables need to be you know, uh, delivered on this date. We're going through this right now. We've, we've, we have a, a, a practice under letter of intent. The QuickBooks backup file was uh, due to be delivered uh, a week ago. We still have yet to deliver, yet to receive it. So that's going to push that timeline back. It, it, there's no question about it. It's going to push the timeline back. So uh, we can only move as fast as we can get and acquire the information. And then obviously that becomes further complex with the more transactions you've got under LOI. Uh, and you've got to make sure you've got the team resourced properly to be able to process that letter of intent pipeline. It, it's extremely uh, complex. There's no question about it. And as you're scaling and growing you know, the organization, it just becomes more and more and more complex. Yeah, um, uh, completely, completely agreed on that. Um, the herding of the cats, as they say. Let's um, uh, let's move to a different aspect of the process, and maybe I should have um, asked this uh, in sequence ahead of the last one. But you know, you talk about the the number of uh, established groups and groups outside of the industry, be they financial buyers or otherwise that are looking to get into the industry. I mean, dentistry is, uh, from an M&A perspective, um, it's, it's an incredibly sought after area of healthcare. Um, and, and it will continue to be for a good little while. We'll, we'll talk about that in, in a bit. But, you know, there are a lot of sell side uh, advisors that um, they'll sign up a client, they'll blast out uh, an email to, I don't know, 150 recipients or something like that. And they'll, they'll kind of run an auction process, um, which we're not big fans of. The clients that we work with, we vet highly. We try to understand uh, who they are, what they want life after liquidity to look like, what they're looking for in a partner. Um, and most of ours are not sell and walk away type. So I would say that our our sales process is more more limited or curated, if, if that's a better way of putting it. Um, and I think the you mentioned early on in, in part of our discussion the the fit piece, um, and, and I think that's that's really valuable to people who who want to take some chips off the table but are not looking to play golf seven days a week. They want to stay active in the business, and fit matters. It, you know, it's a little bit different from your lens when you get a an email from a sell side advisor that you know has been sent to every other entity in the the market, and and hell, we've got them all in our CRM too, so we know who they are. But uh, can you maybe give us some color from what it looks like from the buy side when you when you get a uh, you know an opportunity from from someone versus something that you know that you're just a number on a on an email list, so to speak. Absolutely. So on a limited scope basis, we're fine participating in that process. We feel we can be extremely competitive. Uh, when it's a uh, full scope process, a little bit more difficult uh, if they're going to position this to you know, 30, 40 uh, different groups. We are not the, we, we are really truly building Oak Point, you know, what I kind of call 
brick by brick, uh, we're not going to be competitive uh, bidding on a $10 million EBITDA platform. We're just not, right? And, and we know that, and we know that about ourselves, and we, that's not our strategy. That's not what we're building here. So you know, we're really looking for practices that we can bring value that are uh, smaller in scale, uh, and we can truly drive value uh, into that practice, uh, be it through strategic marketing, capital infusions, CapEx expansion, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and that's really truly what we're, what we're focused on. So if, if, a, if a sell side broker brings something to us that does not fit that profile, we'll just very respectfully bow out of the process. And, and of course, if we appreciate the look, we appreciate them thinking about us. It's just you know, not the right fit. The one thing I always commit to everybody and uh, that's, you know, that we have relationships with on the sell side is I commit to each of them that we will get them a, a very efficient response uh, of yes or no. You know, yes, we want to take the next step. No, we, we really don't uh, in this particular case. And uh, because of that, those relationships are really strong. There's a lot of mutual respect there between both parties. Uh, time is is critically important. You can't get more of it, can't buy more of it. And um, uh, I respect your time and I know you respect my time and we you know, work to get you know, answers you know, very efficiently. So that's kind of how we look at it. No, that's that's fair. And um, DeWalker loves saying that uh, he he values and appreciates a fast no. <laughs> that's right. That's Just, right. I mean, having clarity in the process, uh, even if it's not the answer you want to hear, it's it's the answer that moves the process forward. That's right. Um, and and I think that's that's good for all parties. And it also shows that from your end, you you've got a high degree of discipline that you're not just swinging at every pitch out there. That's um, right. And, and I think that you know, if I if I think beyond just our sell side clients, if I think about our our consulting clients who are growing through acquisition. Um, they can learn a lot about that type of discipline too. Just because a, a practice is on the market for sale doesn't mean you should make an offer on it. That's you exactly know? right. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. A discipline is a, is a critical word. We use it all the time internally here. Uh, we're geographically disciplined. We're price disciplined. We're partner disciplined. Uh, and because of that, we've created uh, a sustainable platform. We have uh, incredible uh, integration uh, across the entire footprint. Uh, data analytics, uh, second to none. And I would say best in class in the industry. Uh, we're a leader in the space. We're proud of these things. Uh, they speak volumes. Uh, and when we, when we meet with doctors, uh, they can feel the energy you know, with what we're building. And that's why we've, we've gotten to the scale you know, that we are. But we're not trying to be all things to all people. Uh, I, I'm not a rooftop person. Uh, you know, when somebody asks me, how many locations do you have? It doesn't, I always kind of laugh when I get that question. It's an interesting question. One I'm happy to answer, but it's, it's only a very, very small part of the uh, equation for us. Um, you know, we're looking at the quality of the earnings. We're looking at the quality of the partner. Uh, and those are the things that we're most focused on. Yeah. Um, kudos to you. I've, I've known you for a while now and, and that totally fits. I mean, y'all are not just chasing deals to chase deals, you really do have a discipline in the way you go about it. And it's, um, it's, it's not the norm, honestly. So, um, I think that probably is a, uh, one of the key components of the success you built this quickly and in, in such a focused, uh, market space area too. So, um, Nick, you've got sort of a, 
I don't want to say a unique perspective, but a, a a different perspective. I mean, you're the CEO of Oak Point. You do business development. You've you've been uh, in private equity backed groups before. You've exited a transaction. You've worked with sell side advisors. I mean, you you've kind of lived the full circle of the life, you know. And I, I mean, I think that's one of the things that I draw a lot of. Uh, uh, wisdom from whenever we talk, whenever you give insights about stuff, I, I know that it's it's really well grounded and and usually hard earned for that matter too. I wonder if you couldn't talk a little bit um, uh, about uh, things from uh, you know what you like to see from an uh, an M and A advisor, a sell side advisor, and this could be really kind of nuts and bolts, you know. Um, process, uh, organization, communications, like a data room, all that kind of stuff. I mean, can you maybe just get a little bit in the weeds with us, if you will, uh, sure. in terms of uh, what you value in, in terms of that? Absolutely. Happy to weigh in on that. We see a lot, uh, as you could imagine. Uh, yeah. I think we have 20 to 30 different sell-side relationships in place um, across the, the spectrum. Kind of starting at the top, one of the things that I appreciate the most are, and obviously Polaris fits this this profile, you've taken the time to understand our culture. You've invested time, your time to understand our culture. And that means there's going to be certain doctors that you represent that will absolutely uh, be a good fit for us, right? Uh, and others won't be. And you've taken the time to to understand that and, and, and making sure that, you know, you are putting the right doctors in front of the right people. Uh, and I, th I think that's incredibly important. Uh, and then of course, some of the things you touched on having a, 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 a limited kind of scope process, but it's buttoned up and it's organized, you know, the data rooms in place that the, the, uh, uh, even a preliminary, you know, quality of earnings, uh, spreadsheet's been you know, developed and formed and, and you're collaborating with our team on that, uh, you know, through the puts and the takes, you know, through that process. Uh, and then, and then helping to manage the process with the doctor, because most doctors are chair side. Most doctors are seeing patients every day. It can be a, an extremely taxing process on the doctors. And I respect that, uh, deeply and we're deeply sensitive to that, uh, and, and try to work through that, which obviously can be very hard. So when we've got an advisor that we're working with that that is truly partnering with that doctor in the process and managing a lot of that back end work on behalf of the doctor, that's a win for everybody involved. Uh, it de kind of stresses the system, uh, makes it more efficient, and and we love those relationships. We love those those types of opportunities. Yeah, I, I think from our perspective, um, and again, you see far more. Uh, processes, data rooms, um, you know, working with all those different sell side advisors. And, and we take a lot of pride and maybe going to a, a greater degree in terms of depth and organization, just because we feel like it represents our client better. Obviously, it's a reflection on Polaris. But if we can make any of the process slightly easier for the buy side, I'm not saying you're going to up your offer by seven figures or something crazy like that, but it just makes for, it helps to, to maintain a more collaborative um, relationship through the process that we're all committed to working toward the, the end that we all want. 
And, right. and I think there's, uh, we feel like that's important. It, it is a little bit more of a lift on us candidly in the, on the front end. Um, but I think it, it smooths things out on the back end, um, to a greater degree. I would echo that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about deals. Um, uh, because you've uh, you've seen your fair share, and if there's any sort of a uh, maybe change in in some of the nuances or the subtleties of transaction structures here, um, you know, non competes earnouts. I mean, I think we're past COVID right now, so maybe the earnouts have started to fade away a little bit. But reps and warrants, um, you know, the equity and uh, versus cash. Um, in the transaction and everything, have there been any, um, you know, subtle changes that you've noticed through the, the way deal structure has evolved in the last, say, twelve to twenty-four months or so? Yeah, I would definitely say the the reduction in, you know, I'll use the word structure. Uh, you know, let's call it post-COVID. Definitely, I think reduced structure uh, in the in in the transaction documents. You know. Uh, by and large, we, we've seen that play out. Uh, I would say, you know, for us personally, we try to keep it as streamlined as possible. You know, we have a, um, you know, every one of our doctors is a meaningful owner and retained equity owner uh, in the business. There's no question about that. Uh, we do have earnouts, uh, you know, performance earnouts, uh, you know, in each one of our transactions. Um, Non-competes, the reps and warranties, you know, all pretty standard things. No real big changes there, you know, over the last, let's call it 10 years, at least from my perspective and what I'm personally looking for. You want to be fair and equitable. Uh, and at the end of the day, we're, we're partners, right? We're, we're taking the step and, and, uh, and moving through the process. I say to every one of the doctors, if, if uh, the day after the wire transfer clears, if you ever have to ever open up the documentation and look at the paperwork, you probably have a problem. Uh, we've never, we've never had to do that. So, uh, yeah, that's why we spent so much time on the front end you know, to make sure we've got the right fit and that, you know, philosophically we're aligned. Uh, we're both, you know, marching toward the same you know goals, uh, and have the same ambitions and we're, we're collectively uh, going to work together to, to grow and, 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 you know, perform and, and have fun doing it. Yep. Yep. This is really good stuff, Mick. Let's, uh, Let's conclude our conversation um, and, and talk about the outlook for the space. I mean, obviously, uh, it, it goes without saying that we're both very bullish um, about uh, the the profession, the practice of dentistry, the market, the industry, opportunity for value creation, uh, and, and everything along those lines. But do you want to, fr from your lens, you want to give our audience uh, what your outlook is and and while you're at it, Mick, let, let's put something on the board. Throw out a bold prediction for uh, the coming five to ten years that we can attribute uh, and quote Mick Janess on. How about that? So, all right, you want to start there? Or you want you want me to end there? <laughs> where do you want? What do you want to do? Um, you you give me the attractiveness of the space, and we'll end on the bold prediction. Okay. In, in okay. case I have to go back and edit all this out, you never okay. know, right? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, okay, so uh, there's one word that comes to mind when I think about dental and, and, and just the dental industry in general, and it's durability. And when you think about 2008, 2009, very difficult time for our country. Most industries had uh, an incredibly difficult uh, time managing that, you know, 
two to three year window, right? That stretched even you know further. And you look at at dental and how durable it was during that time period. You know, fast forward, you know, now it's pandemic proof. Um, we, we just went underwent one of the most difficult time periods ever in this country's history. And you look at the durability and the snapback of dental once the practices you know, open back up, uh, it, it, it's remarkable. And so from an investor's standpoint, when you look at it in, in today's market, where do you go for yield? Where do you go? Where do you go for yield uh, without taking outsized risk? Yeah. Uh, and so what's happening, and this is, I, I think, incredibly fascinating to watch, there are different pools of capital now coming into the space that we've never seen before. So, you, you know, used to see this traditional private equity uh, hold period, you know, four to six year hold period, you know, traditional kind of, you know, down the middle of the fairway, private equity uh, deal structures. Now you've got sovereign wealth funds, you have family office capital, uh, you have, you have specialty, you know, specialty purpose vehicles, you know, set up within private equity, looking for long hold period, you know, long assets that, that, that would, you know, fall into the longer hold period category. Uh, it's, 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 it's unbelievable to watch. And so today you've got roughly a hundred different private equity backed groups, plat dental platform groups now in the market. And those are just the ones that, you know, we're, we're aware of. You know, that we that we're tracking uh could be more you know that are just under the radar that you know that uh are not on a on a spreadsheet somewhere so it's just it's it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch this kind of unfold and uh i don't see that letting up anytime soon yeah i i think uh that's a really really interesting point um because uh i, I would echo those sentiments you know historically it's been private equity driven the whole period the value creation and the exit upon recapitalization and now you have a different uh context of of investor that is arguably looking at the wonderful cash flow mechanics of a group dental practice from um a uh, uh a hold standpoint you know and and just right. simply a a a continuity of cash flows and not necessarily banking on the equity um, outright for the return. That's right. Um, That's right. I mean, yeah. our, our average practice, just to put this in perspective, our average practice from the, the, from the day of affiliation to one year post transaction, our average general dental practice is up 15% and our average specialty practice is up 32%. Wow. Year over year. That's fantastic. I mean, you and figure, the the industry average being around probably five to six percent, so y'all are growing three to six times that type of uh, um, uh, that type of a trend. That's fantastic. That's correct. We're deeply proud of that, and and that's why this industry is so attractive, right, to these different pools of capital. And I, I just think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch it play out. Yeah, you know, over the next decade, I truly do. Uh, all sorts of opportunities abound across the footprint, and. You know, I think for the doctors out there, you know, contemplating, you know, taking the step, uh, you know, do your homework, you know, spend, you know, invest the time, uh, you know, on the fit uh, of the, of the, of the relationship and just get a really good feel for, you know, how the organization uh, operates, right? Yeah. Close. And then, you know, I think one other thing to, to think about if, if you're a doctor partnering and, and taking the step you know, what are you looking for in a partner? You know, there's all sorts of different sizes and shapes, right? Uh, there's the thousand location group or there's the, 
the fledgling, you know, 10 location group, you know, just, just getting off the ground, you know, where do you want to participate? You know, what you, what do you want your role to be, you know, post-close, where are you going to, where will you bring value, you know, to the, to the process? So, uh, and, you know, for the doctors, fortunately, they've got a lot of choices. So that's great. You know, for that, for, you know, my perspective, if I'm a doctor, I'd be uh, kind of the right place, right time. Uh, you're in the right spot. So it's a great spot for them to be in. I completely echo that. There's so few of them, or at least not, not, not the, not the people that we represent or interact with, um, that are looking to, to just, you know, ring the cash register and, and walk away. I mean, understandably, there are a lot of people that are at that stage of their career, but most of the ones we work with are, are looking to find, um, a partner looking to uh, find a bigger boat, looking to build a bigger boat, um, and and really looking to stay in the industry for a good little while. You know, none Absolutely. of yeah, none of our our clients are urgent about getting out by any stretch. It's all about the next phase, and I think that's a, a really cool dynamic to be a part of. We support fifty total doctor partners, doctor owners, uh, and of those fifty, we only have four that are in their sixties. Oh, wow. We consummated a, a partnership this morning with a 36-year-old doctor. Oh, man, that's fantastic. I mean, that <laughs> that's super cool to think about uh, for the next 20 year, 20 oh to gosh, 30 it's years. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And as a leadership team, we could not be more excited about that because now you've got you know, a doctor base that's that's deeply committed you know, to running a 15, you know, 20-year race together. It's, it's, it's truly exciting. Uh, and and, uh, you know, that's, that to me is very interesting to watch as well as just the, the younger kind of doctor pool contemplating this decision, you know, being very thoughtful, intentional about the process, uh, in which they select their partner and, you know, for us to be a part of that and, you know, for that doctor to make that selection, uh, to join Oak, Oak Point, you know, we're, we're very proud of that. Good stuff. Mick, I could talk to you for uh, for days on end. I genuinely appreciate the friendship, the guidance, and, and everything you've you've shared with me uh, through the years. And I, I know our audience is better for it, too. This has been a, a tour de force and one that they'll want to go back and, and rewind the tape on a couple of different areas, take a few notes, because you've really uh, given more than pearls of wisdom today. And, and that's, uh, that's a lot of fun for me to be a part of. I, I can't thank you enough for joining me on the show today, my man. I truly enjoyed it. It was fantastic. Always great to talk to you and, and greatly appreciate the friendship as well over the years and looking forward to doing a lot more work together in the years to come. You bet. You bet. There, there will be more to come. I'm confident of that. And I know that we'll, uh, we'll have you back on the show or maybe do like a, a live forum of some, uh, some kind at some point in the future. I think you're always very gener generous with your time and generous with your guidance. And, and that's one of the things I've I appreciate and I know our audience does too. So uh, sincere thanks for being uh, for being on the show today with me. Thanks for and, having me, friend. And for everybody else in the audience, uh, I, I know that you found uh, today's podcast educational and truly informative. Uh, I'm confident you're going to find ways to apply some of what you've learned to your business. If you've got questions or comments or anything that you'd like to follow up with me on, you can always reach me at Perrin at PolarisHealthcarePartners.com. I'll also link to um, uh, Mick's email address uh, and contact information in the show notes. Sincere appreciation uh, to him um, for, for carving out some time on a really, really busy schedule. Uh, feel free to leave us a rating on Apple uh, Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, and thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, everybody.